Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mamba Moments Podcast, where we keep the legacy of Kobe Bean Bryant alive through the incredible stories. I have a very special guest today, Cabby Richards, who did my favorite Kobe interviews, always got him to open up. Cabby, it's great to have you here. How are you doing, man? I'm wonderful. Thanks for, thanks for the invite. It's uh, anytime I can talk Kobe Bryant, it's the highlight of my day. I'm happy to hear and I feel the same way. So we're going to have a great time today. Now, Cabby, you always got Kobe to open up in a really special way. 2016 last season, he started to open up with the media a little bit more. But with you, 2006, 2007, the Black Mamba, he was still a stone cold killer on the court. He would open up, you know, even one time in an interview, Cabby was interviewing Kobe and asked Kobe if he could stay at his house. No problem. Kobe gives him the address of going to Compton in like 2006, 2007, when Kobe was pretty stone-faced. So Cabby, what made your relationship with Kobe different? And how did you get him to open up at a time where he really didn't do that very much? Well, thanks for asking. I think it's because I'm so goofy and I was even goofier than I am right now on this podcast. You know, I've always been a chubby and because I asked <laughs> such simple and off the wall questions, like out of left field questions, I think that helped Kobe trust me because I wasn't there with an agenda and I wasn't there to ask him about anything controversial. You know, I, in that particular interview that you cite, uh, I brought like CDs for a sleepover. And also like, who has the gall to ask any athlete, but Kobe Bryant, who, <laughs> kind of cagey with the media yeah. to stay at his home and to like bring props or bring like pillows to a sleepover. So Kobe I identified early on that like, oh, okay, this guy, I understand what he's about. It's just, it's a fun, playful bit. It's for entertainment. It's not actually journalism. So I don't have to treat this like a journalistic interview or enterprise. So that, that helped go a long way. And also I have to give a huge, Shout out to Allison Bogley, who at the time was the manager of communications for the LA Lakers wow. and the director of communications for the Toronto Raptors, Jim LaBombard. So Jim LaBombard vouched for me in Toronto the very first time I met Kobe Bryant because Allison Bogley, who worked for the Lakers, was like, who is this guy harassing Kobe and asking <laughs> him for his address and his phone number? Like, who is this guy? So once Jim LaBombard vouched for me because I'd grown up in Toronto and my career started uh, and my interview started in Toronto. He's like, oh, okay, I know what this guy's about. I got the seal of approval. And then Allison passed it on to Kobe. And she's like, he's a local guy. He's a little bit weird, but he's harmless. So that was huge in the development of my uh, professional relationship with Kobe Bryant. That's absolutely beautiful. Those Thanks. interviews were <laughs> incredible. I'm Thanks. telling you, Cabby brought pillows to these interviews he brought cd i remember kingdom come the black album and yeah, you did your research you knew kobe Thanks. loved jay you know Thanks. so that's Thanks. really good too one other question i would love to get your perspective on you interviewed kobe a lot in the mid 2000s so you were one of the first people to interview him after he changed his number now he told you that he changed it to number 24 because of 24 hours in a day obviously kobe always said you know control what you can in a day 
Then later in his career, he said it was the evolution. Then many people said different things. Why do you think after all these years that Kobe Bryant changed his number from eight to 24 halfway that's through a, his career? That's a great question, Scholar. No one's ever asked me that, but I, you know, like many fans, I had opinions and had theories and the one I believed at the time, and I probably still believe it, is to be one better than Michael. Like Michael was Kobe's North Star and everybody knows this. And that's how that's, he measured himself against Michael's greatness as any basketball player post Michael Jordan would if they're, cha if they're chasing that legendary status. Obviously there's only one Michael and there may only ever be one Michael, but I think that's why Kobe changed it from eight to 24. And at the time I was, such a huge fan of the television show 24 and I love Jack Bauer. I was convinced that I would name my first son Jack Bauer Richards because Jack Bauer, the fictional character played by Kiefer Sutherland was such a rogue gangster. And the yeah. way that Kobe played basketball, he was a gangster. I remember totally. one, one game he's playing in Toronto. I think it was 08, maybe 09, but I had, I got great seats. I went with a friend and got to sit courtside and, and Kobe was like, he was just murking the Raptors. And this is a couple of seasons after the 81 points. And yeah. I remember in the fourth quarter, he's hitting just like turnaround fadeaway. Jay's, um, you know, uh, pull up threes. And he's just like, he's running back up the court and he's just looking at the people courtside and just saying, bam, 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 bam. It's almost like he's looking wow. at each person in the eyes and he's, each one's getting a bam, bam, bam. That's how much of a gangster he was and wow. he didn't care like people showed up in buildings to watch him play because he was that special and he was putting on a show and he was ruthless and that was so entertaining for me because Kobe was my guy the Raptors were my team but for this one game on the 82 game schedule I could I was a fan of the other the star on the other team not my exactly so that was like it was so the Jack Bauer thing, actually, I don't think factored into his decision from changing from eight to 24. I think it was more the Michael thing because obviously Michael were 23 and Kobe yes. said, I want to be, I aim to be one better than Michael. So that's yeah. the one I believe. That's beautiful. And I remember showing you, I remember you showing the Jack Bauer clip in the interview and bringing that up with Kobe. So that was awesome that you threw yourself in there. Speaking of Kobe being a different dude, uh, which he definitely was. What did you look forward to the most about getting to interview Kobe Bryant? Oh, wow. No one's ever asked me that. Uh, it was trying to crack him. It was trying to get him to laugh, to hear his laughter and to, and to see, so A, hear his laughter, B, to see how far I can push the limits of uh, like the boundaries of etiquette in an interview. Uh, for, for people who aren't familiar with my style, I'm a close talker. I like to get close to athletes. And Invade many the personal like space. Correct. And it was a disarming mechanism, but I like to put my hands on the dude. It's not like we're going to fight, but like put my arm <laughs> as though we were friends, put my arm around a dude, sometimes put my head on their chest, or like I might touch their face in a certain way, creating awkward moments to hopefully entertain the audience. So I look forward to those times where I could potentially have those moments with Kobe. So whether it was like moving my seat neck closer to his or like, trying to get him to wear something. I once brought him these oversized flannel pajamas. Of course. Um, 
there were multiple times where I tried to hug him and he would only let me hug him at the very end of the interview, like in the, the, the final moments. Yeah, uh, except during the 2016 one, I saw you got a few hugs in there at the yeah, beginning during yeah. his last season. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did let me have a couple, because in the card, I gave him like a thank you card. And I was like, for all your 30,000 points, here are 30,000 hugs. And I actually wanted to count as far, like I wanted to see how far I could go with hugging him. Okay, one, two, three. And I think he'll let me get to three. He's like, okay, this is ridiculous. We're not getting to friggin', we're not even gonna get to five because no. like, we're eating up the time in the interviews. And he would only let me get about five to 10 minutes each time. Like he was, like there was a boundary for how much <laughs> he would let me mess around. And there's yeah. always a time, there's always a clock. I wasn't one of those people like, um, like Kobe trusted Mark Spears, Ramona Shelbourne, Jay Adande, and Stephen A. Smith. Like those were when Kobe wanted to get, like those were the people he trusted in the media yeah. for journalistic things. If he had a certain message he wanted to get out with me, yeah. he trusted me because he knew I was a goofball and we were gonna have a good time. That's um, awesome. So, uh, and there was there were times like I just wanted to try to uh, invade his personal space in a way that nobody had ever seen before. And he- uh, You succeeded. It was amazing oh, to watch. Twice, yeah. Thanks. No, 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 scooching the chair over. There were always those little moments. <laughs> he, he had the funniest sides afterwards, but uh, yes. he did an impressive job of it. And, and it was disarming. And, and it really did make Kobe more human for you know kids like myself. I was 13 in 2006 who were really growing up and, and loved those moments and grew up with that. You know, when I think of hanging out with my grandma, watching sports, I, I go right back to that time of watching you in those interviews. So those people you grew up with, that's lots of what you did for, for people in Canada and for anyone, you know, in the United States or elsewhere watching it, please check out the Cabby and Kobe interviews. They're phenomenal. Speaking of those interviews, what is your favorite memory? from Kobe Bryant interviews. There's a lot of them, but what, if you had to pick one favorite, what would it be that you got to do? You know, one time he sung to me and I don't know if this clip is on YouTube, but it was at a, it was at an all-star game. I think it was 2009 and I don't even, I don't even remember the bit. Maybe I was, I was trying, I think I was trying to get people to record a, like a, a greeting for me on my phone. And I think Carmelo Anthony was the only person to actually do it to like read our little script. Love but Kobe, that. actually, th this one is very near and dear to my heart because Kobe sung to me. He's like, you look like AC Green. Please don't call me anymore. And I was like, is that the one? Because that's the one. And, uh, and it was just like, so at an all-star game, it is pandemonium. It's controlled chaos. Yeah. There's 45 minutes to interview the Eastern Conference All-Stars and the Western Conference All-Stars. And there are literally 250 media members in a giant ballroom. And each player has their own desk. And then for the more prominent players, like a Kobe or a Shaq or a LeBron, there are 80 reporters deep. And the players are there for 45 minutes. So you either have to get there right at the beginning or you have to wait to the very end and hope that once people get their, their questions in or their clips, they leave the scrum and then another person fills that spot. So picture sitting at a desk scholar and there are like yeah. 16 people around you and then another 16 people behind them and then another 16, wow. like five layers of that. So I would, I would try to get there first 
and then get like, you get like two questions in and then someone immediately just jumps in. Like people don't care about what story or what angle you have to, you're, you're, you're pursuing because everybody has, has the same amount of time and they got to get their moments in and then, and then peace out. So that was one of my fondest ones. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think, you know what this, I wish we never got this moment on camera, but um, there was a time I pitched him. I would pitch him two ideas every, so I would interview him and then I'd pitch him two more ideas or like I would interview him. Then the next day I would stay an extra day in LA and I would pitch him two ideas for the next time that we did an interview. And unfortunately there were like three seasons where he was injured, whether it was a shoulder, his of course. Kid, one of his knees where he missed considerable time in the season. So yeah. there were like three seasons. I didn't interview Kobe. Um, unfortunately. So, um, one, this one time I, um, I pitched him, um, I pitched him an idea about, uh, uh, being a real estate investor or like a, like a prospective, uh, realtor. And I was going, I wanted to go to one of his homes to buy it. And I think he had one or two homes up for sale at this time. So I'm telling the idea, like I go in, I got security guards, like I'm in a suit. I'm look, I look like I'm new money, but like big money. I'm some dude from Europe. And then at the end of the bit, so it's like a way that, you know, we sort of tour your house. We get a, we get a tour of your house yeah. and then you come home and then you have your two big dogs. I, I can't remember the name he had like, um, I think he had bull mastiffs at one time, like big dogs. I mean, you come home with the dogs yeah. and you're like, Kevin, what are you doing in my house, man? And then like, it cuts to me. Then the security guys leave and it cuts back to Kobe pissed off and back to me like, uh, uh, what do you like? Surprise back to Kobe, like cl even closer. Yeah. Even pissed than me. Even like, Oh, what is he going to do? Boom. Wide shot of Kobe. And he's got the dogs on the leash. He just drops the leash cuts back to me. Um, it's like intense fear and then cut to black with the obvious intimation that these dogs just chew the hell out of my body and attack. Yes, that's hilarious. I, I right. love it. Thank you. I thought it was a decent idea. Kobe's like, ah, I don't want to do that. He goes, <laughs> and then he's like, write me some Dave Chappelle shows. I was like, Kobe, Dave Chappelle? Like Dave, and this is like before Dave Chappelle, this is when like Dave Chappelle was in exile. Yeah. But he still had, he was cemented as a comedic genius because of Chappelle shows. Absolutely, like, brilliant stuff. Seasons. I'm like, Chappelle show, like Kobe, like Chappelle is a genius, like a comedic genius. Yeah. I'm a fat reporter from Toronto. What do you mean? Write some Dave Chappelle show. But that was Kobe trying to push me. Trying push to the push, greatness. Push, yeah, for, push me to some level of greatness wow. or just push myself further to come up with something that he would consider doing. So the next time I pitched some ideas, one he really liked, but unfortunately we never got to shoot it. But um, that's what I, that's what I, I really loved about him. So. When he sung to me was a big moment. Um, you know, sending me to the church in Compton was a great moment. Yes. Uh, and then like obviously riding and flying in his helicopter was the moment that people referenced the most often. Very me. special. Yes. Uh, and that was, I was the only reporter that ever got to fly in a helicopter with him. So it was- Yeah, always, only was reporter to ever get an interview in the, in Kobe's chopper was Cabby yeah. Richards. And that's so incredibly special uh, knowing what happened, of course. So speaking of 
this stuff about Kobe, you know, obviously we're both big Kobe fans. I'll tell you, I've watched all his press conferences. One of his dogs was named Crucio after the Harry Potter curse. Kobe was a big Harry Potter fan. We were talking about the dog's name. So nice. there you go. Thank you for that. No worries. And so what was your favorite on-court memory of Kobe Bryant as a Kobe Bryant fan? That just sums up like Kobe the Black Mamba, whether it was the last game, a game winner, that Toronto, whatever. It starts with the re- it starts with the baseline reverse dub the reverse slam in the garden in 2004 on Latrell Sprewell. That's yeah. where it starts. Um, actually, no, he had he had against Denver. He had a full court alley oop. He grabs it, puts it around his back, and then he dunks it with 360. Yeah, and a 360 without missing a beat. There was okay. This is my favorite court, and it's this is not a famous one. It was against Portland and it was heading to, I think the game went to overtime. He was in the corner. It was LaMarcus Aldridge. God, who was the other center? I don't think it was Zach Randolph because I don't think Zach and LaMarcus were on the Blazers at the same time, but it was another seven footer. But Kobe was like, he basically, he got the ball between his legs. He did like a turnaround fadeaway three over two seven footers. And he, and he sunk the shot. And I, I was, it made me jump out of my seat. Yeah. And I was like, there was like so little space for that kind of maneuver, but he shot it. Cause he was like uber confident, but he had the skill to hit it. And it was like, it was just an incredible shot. And I think they won in overtime. Um, and this is like the Ruben Patterson, Kobe stopper era. But I remember for sure, one of the defenders was LaMarcus Aldridge because he's like either 6'11 or seven feet tall or whatever. And another, def- it was just amazing. But obviously Kobe has a library of incredible moments. Yeah, There's, you know, this, the, the lay-in against, against uh, Phoenix to win game one in that one series. Yeah. Obviously 81 points against Toronto. Um, uh, 60 on few, the way out. Yeah, there's a few, you know, there's there's Sacramento game winner. You yeah. know, the, the game, the, the the time that we did fly in in uh, Kobe's, and I say we, my producer Dave Crix and I flew in Kobe's helicopter. Yeah. We went to practice, but then the next day was a game and they played against D. Wade and the, uh, the Miami Heat. And Kobe hit a game winner. He banked a three over D. Wade from the top of the key and then won. So, he was in like this amazing mood. He wore like he wore like a brown on brown suit. It wasn't a good look. And Kobe's like a real stylish dude. Yeah. But it was like too many earth tones. And it wasn't even like <laughs> like a tan. It was just yeah. like a chocolate brown, chocolate brown shirt, chocolate brown suit. And obviously his skin tone is brown too. So it was like too many browns. Um, but anyway, that was and then he's like, okay, we'll, we'll finish this interview, but go away from me by the bus. The Miami yeah. Heat boss. I was like, right now? He goes, yeah, go away. But it was, so that was, that's another great moment too, because oh, that for sure. sort of encapsulated that. Wow. Those two or three days that I had with Kobe um, in finishing with the game. So, so that was special for me too. The helicopter interview happened the day after he hit the running three point bank shot over Dwayne so, Wade game winner. It was the day before. So we did the helicopter interview the day before at practice because we flew to practice. And then on a game, we weren't, we didn't fly with him on the game, yeah. on the game day. Cause I, I would always interview Kobe on a practice. Day. I would generally interview big athletes on practice days. Cause they're always in better moods yes. uh, with the except baseball players are the exception. Cause they, when they have a day off, they don't go to the park. They just 
do whatever. So baseball players, you would, you would, I would interview on game days, but, uh, and, and sometimes Kobe after game, but that's only if they won. Cause then if they lost, then it was just players aren't in good moods. And Kobe who obviously wore his emotions on his sleeve. And if he was in a bad mood, you would know, like you just know walking into the room yeah. and walking into like the Lakers, um, uh, I was gonna say dressing room, but locker room, there's always like Kobe would come out loud. He would take his time, but then it's like I always had to, I always had to be quiet because, you know, in that environment, there's only 30 minutes. Then you have to leave. Sometimes the guys yeah. have to get on the bus, go to the airport, and go to the next city. But like, I didn't really get into my hijinks as much after the game because it was a more serious environment than being in the practice at the practice facility in El Segundo, California. So there's one time I brought Mike Richards, who is, I call him my baby bro. He played for the LA Kings, won two Stanley Cups in, in 12 and 14. So I brought him to a game once. Kobe dropped 38 points against the, the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns. We sat courtside in LA. After the game, I bring Richards into the locker room to meet Kobe and Kobe is icing his knee. He's like, he's got like a foot bath going on, huge um, bags of, of ice on his knees. Wow. And he's got, he just wearing a towel and I try to hug him <laughs> naked and just wearing a towel and Kobe's like come on man come on like and I was like yo man you wanted to get I just wanted to show my affection or whatever and then Kobe's like does he do this to you and the mic's like yeah but then sometimes he comes into the shower to hug us like it's just really awkward and and Richards was just playing along with it but it, that was a that was a fun moment but in that case because he dropped 38 and because they got the W then I was like okay I have a little bit more leeway to joke around and certainly I was bringing in uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say uh, a peer, uh, uh, another professional athlete. So then there's, yeah. like, there's just a, a, a different vibe than it was if it was just me and my stupid goofy face trying to hug Kobe where he's basically naked except for a towel. That's hilarious, man. I, I think we've discovered something new here. I think Cabby put Kobe in a good mood before the iconic Dwayne Wade game winner. We never knew that Cabby might have played a role. Who knows? No, I can't take any credit for that. I would like to, but I can't take any credit for that. That's so cool that you were there for that era, though, man. That is amazing. So Thank something you. really special about the cabbie interviews was obviously all of us as basketball fans, we have a little bit of a dream of hanging out with our favorite player or getting to meet them. So in all of Cabby's interviews uh, and in all of your interviews, Cabby, you would try to hang out with Kobe. What was the relationship like off the court? Did you guys hang out much? I Tune in next week to find out the answer to this question and more on part two of our Mamba Moments interview with Cabby Richards. And remember to donate to the Mamba and Mambasita Sports Foundation at mambaandmambasita.org if you are able. Mamba out, Mamba forever. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.